You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. point and uh, what a presence of God when I was talking to brother Robertson and he was telling me everything that was going on this morning I said then you mean I don't have my normal hour and a half (laughs) he said no no you got lots of time yeah he might think I do but you don't (laughs) and uh, but it is great to be here and uh, have my wife with me and uh, we do love and appreciate uh, Brother and Sister Carter. Now, I just have to tell you that a number of years ago, my, my aunt had passed away, Eva Calhoun, and uh, the viewing was at Bishop's Funeral Home in, in Fredericton. And so I went in just a little after 6, and the viewing started at 6, and Paul, her son, my first cousin, was there, and I came in. He said to me, he said, now, Mel, good thing you weren't here 15 minutes ago. And I said, why? Because he said, special ops has been here looking for you. And uh, it, there wasn't a big crowd there, but uh, he said, but we told him you weren't here. And I said, well, everyone that was standing around, I said, what you need to understand to the Calhoun genes, what Paul just said, Mel, I love you. It's been a long time since I've seen you, and we're glad to have you here. Because we're not really good with all of this here stuff. So pastor appreciation to me would be much more fun if we could be roasting him. That would be much more. Wouldn't it, Brother Haskell? Wouldn't we, we could have fun. That's much more fun. And he would feel much more comfortable if we were roasting him. No. I told this just a while ago, somewhere where we at, maybe a few months ago now. But my favorite, and, and I, I'm going to use this not out of disrespect, because it wasn't a pastoral role that he was in at that moment, but my favorite Brent Carter moment. And all the time that I've known him was that he had, uh, Brother Lewis and I were talking about who was going to replace Brother Grado uh, as chairman of the Bible College Board or administrative director. And, and he said, who, who do you want? And I said, I want, like to have Brent Carter. And he said, I don't think he'll do it, but you can ask him. So I asked him and he talked to one of the, some of the ministers in his life that he turns to, and they said, yes, if you do anything, get involved with the Bible college. So a few months later, we were going to Ottawa for a district conference and for Ontario. Uh, we, we were in Ottawa. I, I won't tell you how he drives, okay? Um, we left my place. We were in Lincoln Heights in Fredericton and about 4 in the morning, and I drove to Riviera Loo, and, and then I said, you want to drive? And, and, uh, and then... About four hours later or three hours later or three and a half hours later, my hair finally laid down, and, and I won't go there. But we, we were on our way back from Ottawa, and we were driving along, and, and he called home. They were living in Miramichi City then in Chatham. I don't know which one of the children answered the phone. I really don't. Uh, but you need to understand that with Pastor Carter, uh, you know, a normal person, a 40-hour work week is a normal and uh, uh, 50 hours is, is overtime, and 60 hours is someone there. Well, at 60 hours, he's just getting started. And, uh, and he just go, go, go. So, so he called home to check on the family, which is a good thing to do. And, 
And one of his children answered the phone. And he said, why are you home? And they said, uh, we didn't go to school today. And he said, what? He said, uh, where's your mother? Uh, she's at Kennard's. What's she doing? She's getting Chinese food for dinner. And, and he said, well, why are you home? And he said, they said, well, we took the day off. He said, are you studying cuisine? And, and they said, no, <laughs> we took the day off. I wish you could have seen his face. Like, what in the world do you mean that you actually had a free day? Yeah, I mean, you're 15 years of age, and, and you've had a day off already. <laughs> and it was just kind of a comical thing to watch him. He wasn't angry. He wasn't upset. When they talked after a while with Sister Carter and him, and he didn't, he didn't, he didn't lambaste her, but he just could not understand why someone would have a day off in the middle of the week. That's kind of one of my favorite moments. Uh, um, he, he was my boss for over 14 years, and, and he said to me, uh, I, I was going through a, a little time, and we won't get into that, and, and really some of it I had to get saved and all kinds of stuff. And, and I had a meeting with him at Thursday at noon hour. He was going to be teaching, and I had a meeting with him Thursday at noon hour. And I think this is kind of one of the things that kind of mm, just made me understand uh, what kind of a guy he really is. And uh, it was on a Wednesday morning. I'd had a meeting with Brother, got a meeting with Brother Woodward, my pastor, and, and Brother Lehman at 10 o'clock. And, and uh, I made a mistake because I was upset. I made a mistake, and I went to the chapel for prayer. I mean, if you're upset, don't go to prayer because, you know, it just doesn't work right to be upset and pray too. So I, I went to the chapel for prayer, and, and uh, at 7 in the morning, Bible college students gathered with me and just was our normal habit and I left the prayer room about 20 after 9 and, and the first thing I did was call Brother Woodward and say I don't need to have a meeting I'm okay now and he said he said to me he said uh, uh, he said be in my office at 10 <laughs> you think he's tough on you I was president of the college and ordained minister my pastor said be in my office at 10 and and so I was there and so I called Brother Carter and said uh, oh you know I, we were supposed to have that meeting on Thursday and at noon hour, he said, yeah, and I said, it's okay. We don't need to have it now. And he said, I will meet you in your office at 12. <laughs> and, but that day, we went into the office, my office, at my office, and he came in and, and sat down, and we started talking. And, and he shared with me something that in spite of all of his busyness and all of the going and pushing and pushing and going at it, and, and just that he shared with me something that was there, and we had worked together and great friends for years, but he shared with me something a moment. He came in, and he sat down, and he hauled the recliner chair around in my office and pulled it up. And he said, first of all, let me talk to you about Monday. And he told me what God had spoke to him on Monday and what he had done. And sitting in my office, amen, we talked for probably an hour and a half and prayed because your pastor, Reverend Brent Carter absolutely loves you. He may not, you may not always agree with him, and you can have a, a red-hot disagreement with him. You can look at my ball to eyeball and say, Pastor, I don't see it that way. I don't agree with it. And it will not affect how he uses you. A lot of people that if you have a disagreement with, 
It's like they write you off or they're never the same with you. But with your pastor, you can go into his office and sit down or you can sit down over a lunch table at a restaurant somewhere or the front seat of this chair or this, this sanctuary, wherever it is, and you can talk to him. And you can say, I, I don't really understand. I don't really disagree. And I don't think it's right. And I think you're wrong. And he'll look at you and he'll smile. That's what I hate about him is that he'll smile as he tells you, well, you have a right to disagree and you have a right of all of that, but this is where it's at. And he'll love you in spite of it. Thank you, Pastor Carter, for being that kind of a pastor. Amen. And I, I won't get into all the stuff there because I do want to preach to you for a few minutes and I will promise you that I will do my best. No, if I do my best, I won't be. But if I, if I, I, I won't be long, but I do have a word for you this morning. And it's not a new word. It's something that we have heard many times before. But I really, really feel, amen, that God spoke to my heart for this service today for you as a church. Man, Romans 15 and 30. Romans 15 and 30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. I'm going to read that, so just help you put it in the modern English of the New International Version, and it reads like this. I urge you, brothers and sisters, this is Paul writing, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Father, I love you. I worship you today, Lord. And I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you. God, we are gathered together in a little different setting. Oh, we're in the sanctuary and we're together, but all kinds of regulations and all of that. God, it can be a little uncomfortable for us even after all of these many months. But today, Lord, I feel your anointing in your presence. And I ask you today, Lord, to anoint us to preach. Amen. To this wonderful congregation for just a few minutes. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let me clarify something whenever and starting today. That I am not against talent. I am not against prosperity. As a matter of fact, thank you, amen, for using your talent for the kingdom of God. Thank you for the prosperity that many of you, God has allowed you to have, and you have shared that with the world. Thank you so very much. I am not one of those individuals that say, amen, I'd rather have anointing than talent. My mentality is, why can't we have anointing and talent. Why does it have to be one or the other? Amen. So I'm not against any of that or all of that. I'm thankful for the talent and for all that we have. But go with me on just a little journey. The day was hastening to a close as the battle raged on. The enemy tried to regroup for one last stand against the army of God. The aroma of victory flowed through the ranks of Israel. God had visited Israel with a super endowment, an anointing, divine anointing and strength that only comes from God. 
Their swords had driven in deep. Their arrows and spears had struck with deadly accuracy. Night was being held back by golden beams of light as they overran the last stronghold of the enemy. What had given them the edge? Why did God choose to visit them? Where did their exceptional strength come from? Off in the distance, during the heat of the battle, a man of God had been lifted his hands heavenward. As he grew weary and his arms began to lower, he noticed that the enemy immediately began to advance. Amen. So his arms went up again. The hours wore on and his strength drained. Resting only seconds, Moses strained to the limit of his endurance, but his strength was failing. But two men rushed to his aid and set the prophet on a rock as each grabbed an arm and held it toward the sky. They held his arms up until the battle was finished and the triumph of victory sounded. I can hear Moses speaking to Aaron and Ur as they helped him down the mountain. Men, my strength was gone when you came. I didn't think I could do it anymore. I was weary, amen, with the load, and my arms were weary. We would not have won the battle without you. Aaron and Ur may not have fully realized what had just been going on, but they have been lifting the arms of God's man. I come by this morning to tell you that we're not fighting against flesh and blood today, amen, but we're fighting in spiritual battles, and if there's ever a hashakara mandaya, if there's ever a day, amen, that this man and his wife and the ministry team needs a group of people to come around them and lift their arms in prayer, amen, and shout victory, it's in 2021. Amen. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I saw one like unto the Son of Man, and he had in his right hand seven stars. Amen. I am not going to into a study of theology today. Amen. Or some kind of make it easy. Amen. But the Word of God will tell you, and all scholars agree with it, that the seven stars are the seven, the seven angels are the angels of the seven churches, or the leadership, or the pastors of the church. These angels are God's messengers of the ministry or the ministry that He has given to the church of a living God. He meant in this God revealed the true position of the ministry in His body. Amen. We understand that Jesus sits on the right hand of power and the figurative right hand of God. Amen. So God called preachers. The Bible tells me that Jesus had them in his right hand. I want you to know you can have talent and you need it and you've got it and thank God for it. You can have a beautiful building. Amen. You can have finances and thank God for all of that. But I can buy to tell you that the power of God that's going to flow at Mission Point in the Daughter Works. It's going to come because of the position this man that you're showing appreciation to is in God. Amen. The authority is going to flow down through the man of God. And you and I somehow need to understand amen, that we need to lift our arms in prayer. From the prophets to the apostles to the preachers of righteousness, amen, of the rapture generation, these men and women of God 
are messengers sent from God with a fresh anointing of oil from heaven. Oh, it's kind of a comical thing. When I was pastoring years ago in, in Bathurst, and, and I, 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 I just, we won't go on down that road, but, but I, I, I'm not really, he meant big on and all the formalities and all of that. But I was talking one night on, 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 the, on, the, on the titles that God has given to the ministry. And, and I, I went down through and, and one of them came down as the angel. You're looking to see an angel. Someone said, you don't know him like I did. I didn't say he was always a good angel. I just said he was an angel. But I, the one I liked the best was what the Bible calls them the stars. And I told our church family, I said, when you see me and you, you address me from now on, just call me Star Calhoun. <laughs> and they laughed too. Amen. But when man of God, amen, the pastor of the church is standing behind the pulpit and he's heard from God. I'm not talking about when he has a self-made mandate. I'm not talking about whenever he has his preference, he meant of what kind of car he likes to drive, and you like so. I'm not talking about that kind of garbage, but I'm talking about a man that gets alone in the in the prayer room and gets a hold of God. He meant and the anointing of God comes on him, and God gives him a word for the church when he comes to this church. What you need to understand that's the man of God that God has put there, and he needs your prayers and he needs your support, man. What Mission Point needs more than great music, and we need, amen, great music and great talented individuals. We want and need that. But what we need are men and women, young and old, will stand like Aaron of Ur in the Old Testament, amen, and meet the challenge of our generation by lifting the spiritual arms of their pastors in prayer. Amen. Not only this man and his wife, Amen. But when him and his leadership teams put someone in the place, you need to understand that they're in that position under their authority. And as much as he needs your prayer, the youth pastor needs your prayer. Amen. The outreach director needs your prayer. Amen. The pastor of the daughter work needs your prayer. Amen. Needs you to lift their arms in prayer. Amen. Paul realized this need of the prayer of others. He, meant he desired the saints to lift his arms as the spiritual battles raged. Of the Romans, he pleaded, strive together in prayer for me. Ephesians 6 and 19, he requested them, pray always for me that utterance may be given me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. I mean, you say, Pastor, I wish there was just a little stronger anointing in our service. I'll tell you how to make it happen. Spend a little more time in prayer. Spend a little more time in intercession. Oh, yeah. He asked the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 3 and 1, pray for us that the word of God may have free course. Paul needed the prayers of the church. I said Paul needed the prayers of the church for the anointing, for the responsibility, for the authority that was upon his ministry. And your pastor needs your prayers. If 
thank you for the gifts. Young people, thank you. Amen for the signs that you put on this lawn. Thank you for the bloopers. Thank you for all the kind words you said. Thank you for what's in that envelope down there. Thank you for the plants. Amen and the gift baskets and all of that. Thank you for treating them good financially. But above anything and everything else in 2021, we need men and women of God that will learn the secret of intercessory prayer for their family. Amen. For the ministry. James had been martyred. Peter was as good as dead. And his head was next to roll. Sixteen armed soldiers were gathered in order to guard him with their lives. But the saints, everyone say the saints, the saints of the first generation church. Not the district board, not the general board, amen, not the ministerial brother, no, no, but the saints of the first generation church gathered in a house and began to bombard heaven. Oh, yeah, prayer was made without ceasing, and God dispatched a messenger to sleep in Peter as he lay between two soldiers. Oh, at Pentecost in 2021, we like to preach about the first automatic door. We like to preach about the supernatural deliverance. We like to preach about the miracle. Amen. The doors opening on their own and the angel come into the midst. But oh, I want you to know what motivated it. Amen. What made it happen? Well, there's a group of saints on the prayer. Amen. For the apostle Peter. Amen. Interceding. Amen. For them. Amen. The chains binding him clattered to the ground the guards slept on silently they walked past the first and second wards the large iron gate opened automatically and there they were in the streets of the city amen Peter made his way to the house of Mark's mom amen and where the saints were in prayer what a sound greeted him as he stepped to the gate and knocked I pastored for a lot of years. Amen. Men in here pastored even longer than I did. Oh, we love it. Amen. When the kind words are said. We love it when someone robs us on the back. We love it when someone says, here's a card. Amen. For your birthday. We love all of that. But there's nothing. Amen. That will make. Amen. Something move in the heart of a man of God anymore than to hear his church move in the intercessory prayer for him. The hands came. It was Vella Messer. I was pastoring Harvey. And I don't know what it is. Sometimes it just happens. We were at with a great church. Amen. The pastor and I was there for, for 10 years. My wife and I. And what a what a tremendous experience it was. But I will never forget through a little bit of time. I couldn't feel anything. I go to pray and I couldn't feel anything. I didn't know what in the world was going on. I fasted and didn't feel anything. I go to the church and talk in tongues and didn't feel one earthly thing at all. And then when I go to the church, amen, when I come to the pulpit, amen, and read my text and begin to pray, I felt the anointing of God come on me. And I preached the word of God. People would come to the altar and things would happen. And when I closed the service or Roger would close the service or was doing it, that anointing would lift and I would feel empty again, all back over again. If you've never been there, you need to understand every man of God feels it. Every woman of God feels it. It comes their way periodically. One Sunday morning, I was at the back of the church 
Amen. Shaking hands as the saints were going out. I wanted to be in my office. I wanted to be in the parsonage. But I was there shaking hands. It was my responsibility. And here I was. And Sister Vella Messer, she'd already had the stroke. And she come out. And I'm not in any way. But she was dragging her leg. Come out. And she stopped. And she took my hand in her hands and began to pet it. And she said, Brother Calhoun, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But she said, I want you to understand that God has woken me up and I've been in prayer for you. Amen. There was a fresh wave of the anointing of God come over me. Not because the district superintendent, but because a saint of God said, I have a burden for my pastor. Your pastor, his family. Amen. Your leadership needs you to get a hold of God. How long's it been, amen, since this church had moved into intercessory prayer? How long's it been since something got a hold of you and you laid on your floor and moaned and groaned for your city? How long's it been? Your pastor, as much as he appreciates your gifts, amen, he needs your prayer. Would you just raise your hands and love him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've seen surges of divine power. He meant churches have experienced revival, signs, wonders, and miracles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, there was a, one of our churches somewhere on planet Earth. They run several thousand people. I heard the pastor preach at a general conference back in the decades of the 90s. And he said our church had kind of stagnated. He said, I... Amen. It wasn't grown. It wasn't a whole lot of things happening. And it was a great church even then. But he said there were five women in our church. Amen. Started to meet for prayer every week. He said, and out of that prayer meeting, I heard these rumblings come. And these things are saying, we broke through. We broke through. He said, Finally, I said to my wife, you know, when as a pastor, you don't know really what's going on. So he said to my wife, I want you to go, amen, to one of those prayer services and see what's going on. He said she went one morning. She came home, and we went out the day, and that night, I woke up in the middle of the night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, and my wife was laying in bed crying, amen, weeping and crying. He said, I leaned over, called her by name, and said, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And she said, oh, today, amen, I had a relationship with Jesus like I've never had before. And she told me those ladies lay hands on me and prayed for me. And something broke in my spirit. He said, the next week, I said, I'm going back. Said, I'm going to that prayer meeting. He said, I went to that prayer meeting. And those ladies, amen, laid hands on me. He said, before I knew it, I was slain out on the floor. Said I came to my tie, my tie was off sideways. Please excuse my good English, but he said at a general conference, he said snot was running down my nose. He said tears were down. He said my clothes was all a and he said I was laying there talking in tongues. And he said I had an experience with Jesus, but it started with five ladies in the church that was praying for his pastor, their pastor and his wife. And he said, revival broke out in our church and hundreds came to God because five people went to church I went to prayer for the man of God and the leadership team. I come by to tell you, we need you in 2021 to get a hold of prayer like never before. I'm done. I'm not done, but I'm going to stop. 
Hallelujah. Brent Carter, Pastor Carter. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Education is masters. Thank you. Pastor Carter, thank you. Amen. For your drive. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your work ethic. Thank you. Amen. For your drive. Thank you for all the help you give. Thankful. 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 And Pastor Carter appreciates everything that you do. But I'm standing here this morning and I didn't ask him, didn't talk to him about it. But I can tell you more than all the accolades that you can give him. Just to know, just to know that the church family will gather around him and his family and their team and the intercessory prayer and lift them before God and fight the battles for them. Amen. Brother C.B. Dudley, not long before he died, I visited him in his little trailer at Carol's Cross in Brunswick. When I would go visit him before I left, he had a little vinyl footstool. I don't know how many years he had it. And I would take that little footstool, put over beside his recliner. Say, before I go, Uncle Campbell, I'd like to have you and Sister Dudley to come and pray for me. And that day, I hauled my little chair, that little footstool over. I said, Sister Dudley, would you come? I'd like to have you. Sister Dudley, are you Brother Dudley, pray for me. And he leaned ahead in an old chair, 90 years of age. And he looked across at me and pointed his finger at me. He said, young man, listen to your old uncle. He meant listen to me. He said, in my ministry, he said, we had revival. We had a move of God. And he told me about his prayers and fasting. He meant the things they've done. But he said, I need to tell you something. In the day that you and your generation is facing, it won't be enough to be like we were back then. He said, amen, the powers of hell are being released upon this world. Amen. And what you need more than anything else, amen, is a greater walk with God, is a greater anointing, is a greater unction than ever before. And the only place it will come is in prayer. What he was saying was Calhoun. Amen. Don't back off. Don't back off. Don't give in. But instead push ahead a little more. Get a hold of the altar a little more. Amen. Let people around you. Let them lift your hands in prayer. Amen. And pray a little more. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Many of you have heard it. If you were at a conference where he was at, I heard Brother Kilgore tell the story many, many, many times. Talked about how, amen, in Houston, Texas, he said, I, I took a ladder, amen, and we talked one day at a conference, a group of guys talking with him, it was a big high step ladder, and he took a ladder, he dismissed all the staff from his church to go home, he called his wife and said, I won't be home for a while, I'm going to prayer, man, and he took a ladder, put it up in the hallway, amen, in the hallway of the church, and there was an attic hatch there, he climbed up that ladder. Amen. Took the attic hatch off. Amen. And Paul, that step ladder up after him. He said, and I get up in the attic of the church in Houston, Texas. He began to pray. Began to seek God. To get a hold of God. To get a hold of God. He said, I heard them. Amen. Several hours later. I wonder where he went. His car is still here. But he's not around. And there he was up there praying. 
apostolic breakthrough. Amen. If James Kilgore needed it, and he needed prayer meetings, and he needed his church family praying for him, amen, way back when that was, in the 70s, 80s, way back then, I can buy to tell you that in 2021, we want all the talent, we want all the technology, we want all the tools that we can ever find, but I can tell you, more than anything else in the world, amen, we need to couple it all, we need the anointed at all, amen, with the prayers of God's people as they pray for the city and the surrounding area, and they pray for the pastor and they pray for the ministry team. Amen. At Mission Point. Amen. If you are going to do anything for your pastor, learn, learn to lift him up in prayers. Learn to lift his arms. Learn to lift his hands. Would you just take a moment and love him right now? Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.